0: What everybody else gotta say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing the deal, I get it done. Every single one. Welcome to another episode of Cornology and I'm here with none other than Miss Tamara Simmons. Thank you. Hey, I'm so excited to have you here today, Tamara. Thank you. Thank you for coming you. in, girl. I know this was a really, really tough time to get you to come in with so many projects that you have going on. Yeah. For those who don't know, and I'm sure most of you guys already know, Um, Tamara Simmons is an award-winning, Emmy-nominated executive producer. She was the creator of the Surviving R. Kelly series. She actually franchised Growing Up Hip Hop. Um, She's written and directed a gazillion other projects, and she specializes in the true crimes documentary space. She and I both are executive producers of the new documentary, um, Casey Anthony, Where the Lies... Where the truth lies, okay, I'm going Where the truth lies. <laughs> and I'm so excited to be sitting here next to her. She has been um, nothing but the bomb as far as working with her. Even though I'm older than Tamra, I look at Tamara like a big sister because she's actually taught me so much in this industry. And I'm very, very humbled that she's here today. So Tam, 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 let's Thank go you. back a little bit, right? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit. You weren't always in TV, right? What did you start off doing?
1: Um, I was really doing like some PR, not like you, but but I had an agency where I worked with a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. I did branding, marketing, and then I branched off into doing a little bit of PR for those clients.
0: Okay. And then how long did you do that?
1: Um, It was about probably, I don't even know, maybe 2012 to 2019. So you had a,
0: a, did you have a passion for it?
1: Um, It was really one of those things where I just knew, I'm a connector, Mm -hmm. so I know how to like connect the dots, no matter like if a person's an artist, an actor, actress, Um, and then I have a lot of resources. So it was kind of like just a passion of mine to see people's dreams come true, whether it's them being on screen or, you know, off camera or whatever it is.
0: That's kind of how I feel, too. It's a passion. You have to, in order to really be good in the space of public relations, you have Mm -hmm. to have a passion for it. Yeah. You have to care about other people, and you must be okay with being in the background. Yep. And I see most of the young publicists struggle in that space. They want to be on the They're forefront.
1: Than They're
0: pushing the clients out the way on the red carpet. I'm, I'm like, what are you are doing? You client
1: or right. I okay. <laughs> I know.
0: So then how did you get into TV?
1: Um, well, I had some talent that kind of wanted to be on TV, of course, and they were celebrities. They were forming their own show. Um, I kind of pitched them to E1. And E1 was like, well, they'll be good as like an ensemble cast and then from there they were like hey we've been trying to do growing up hip hop and franchise that for 2 years and haven't had any success you know would you like to take a stab at it and i was just like okay i'm one of those people that just say yes to whatever i don't say i don't take no for an answer and mm-hmm. i don't say no unless i absolutely know i can't do it so it was a challenge for me also and i'm like let me i'm going to make this happen and so And I was able to franchise Growing Up Hip Hop Atlanta and then work on a producer.
0: Okay, so let's back up. Before then, though, you also worked with Jermaine Dupri for a while, right?
1: I met Jermaine Jermaine Dupri because I pitched Growing Up Hip Hop to him. Okay. So when I pitched it to him and I'm like, how many daughters do you have? How many kids do you have? I found that out. Um, And then basically set up an interview with E1 with Jermaine. And then from there, maybe like... Two seasons in, he was just like, what do you do every day? And mm-hmm. I was like, make money, make moves. Why? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, well, um, I'm needing somebody, you know, to make moves every day and, like, kind of assist me. And I said, okay. So we met and, um, outside of growing up hip-hop. And we just – he was like, well, yeah, I want to hire you. So
0: I can yeah. see why he would want to hire you. You kind of look a little like Janet. <laughs> no. <my God. laughs> was this before or after the Janet series,
1: you know? I didn't even know – to. To be honest, I didn't know what Jermaine Dupree actually did or done mm-hmm. at that time. Like, what? I well, would, what? I no, was learning back it. up. <laughs> Listen, I'm from like Tennessee.
0: Tennessee even knows about Jermaine. Church. Grew up in the church. Jermaine so Dupree?
1: Yes, I didn't know. I, I know he
0: probably was like, wait a minute now. So you did he, not know Jermaine was know, Jermaine?
1: Yeah, he doesn't know that I didn't know he was Jermaine. I mean, I knew who Jermaine was, but I learned so much working with him about what he had done. Versus like before before that. I, I think it's know. good.
0: I think it's good when you don't really know the magnitude
1: Yeah
0: of the person that you're working with because it keeps you from being starstruck or too nervous about things It allows you to be authentic Yeah, yeah, and I
1: think it's still like that because I mean he still does interviews I'm like wait you did that song too like I never tell him because it's embarrassing someone
0: <laughs> And so okay, and then this is again before Janet
1: I didn't even know about janet jackson him dating janet jackson janet is like my
0: all-time icon so
1: no i never i don't know who janet dated i don't know any of that like what no i never yeah tennessee is really really
0: really (laughs) if you don't know about jermaine and janet i'm like what
1: yeah so i I can see we went to a radio interview at 107.9 and i think we were promoting the rap game he was promoting the rap game and so Mm -hmm. we had a lot of press and then they asked him a question about Janet. I'm like, I'm sitting there Googling, like, Jermaine Dupri, Janet who? And they're like, Janet Jackson. I'm like, oh, my God, he dated Janet Jackson. Like,
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, that was probably one of the biggest relationships that was out there. It was like a Jermaine, I mean, uh, uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z, J-Lo and Emma Diddy. Stella, yeah, yeah it's, it's like one of the relationships that's going to go down in history, like Marilyn Monroe and... And her 20 million guys and Kanye (laughs) and Kim so I can't believe okay so you work with Jermaine growing up Mm hip-hop young black female um did you have any mentors anybody to kind of help you transition because one thing I know so far about this if you don't pay attention you're gonna get got yeah right so how did that go
1: Well, I didn't have any mentors because I didn't know who to ask. This is a new industry for me, you Mm -hmm. know, television. I grew up without cable TV. Mm -hmm. So even that is like, oh, I didn't, I didn't never said like, oh, how do they make the reality shows? Like, it never was fascinating to me. Um, And I often was like, how did I get in this position? Like, later on, I started asking, you know, how I got in the position. But during that time, I was just like, okay, this is what I got to do. Like, this is what you do. And I I was making great money. Mm -hmm. And so then I was like...
0: Great money to your terms.
1: Yeah, great money to me (laughs) Mm -hmm. versus what my clients were paying. And I was like...
0: But not what your white counterparts were probably making.
1: At the time, I didn't even... I didn't know. Like, I Mm -hmm. was just new to the industry. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know if what anybody was making. I just knew that it was more than what I was making at the time. And those clients, you as you know as a publicist, mm-hmm. sometimes it's very demanding and you're like, you don't you don't even pay me enough. Right. You haven't done enough to be who you think you are, mm-hmm. but you know, so the, all money is not good money. That's right. So I limited myself as to how many people I would represent and who I would work with. Of course, that's going to put a cap on my income Mm -hmm. because I'm limiting myself. But in television, I saw that, okay, I I figured out how to get to the top. And then they're saying, Oh, you got to be a, a PA, Then you got to do a production coordinator. Then you got to move. I'm like, all these steps. It was like 12. I was like, no, that's mm-hmm. not my life. Like, I knew God called me to be a boss and a CEO. And I'm like, how can I get to the top mm-hmm. faster? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and I'm like, well, I'll, oh, you create content. And then that's when I understood why God pl- placed me in that position. I didn't go to film school. It wasn't an interest of mine. And I was like, why would I get this opportunity when there's other people who are dying? They went to school for it. And they want to be in this Position, God was like, I knew that you would open doors for other people, especially black creators. Mm-hmm. And so when I say God used me as a vessel, I can't tell him how I want him to use me.
0: And you're right. I will definitely say, since I've known you, you've definitely been a vessel of helping other people. You're not one that will say, I'm just going to get here and later for everybody else. You're always looking for ways to be able to bring other people along. And during the process, educating people on, did you do this? Do you know that? Make sure you have this. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, and most people just don't do that, Tam. They're like, like, I got mine. You got to figure out how to get yours, right? Yeah. So y- you started in TV, and I know that that probably was not an easy feat. So the, you, the first deal you got with franchising growing up hip-hop, if I go out there and research you, I don't see that. Mm-hmm. So what happened there? How come I don't see that as far, part of your credits?
1: Um. So, yeah, basically when I was working with E1, they just was like, hey, you know, you're going to work as a producer. But I was like, okay, what about – the franchise part of it what about the pay for that and they're like oh that's not something that we can do like after this is after the fact so I didn't get anything in writing prior to I'm just going off of what they told me and you know I'm just like okay let me just do the job because mm-hmm. that's just the type of person that I am
0: let and me do th- the job and they'll take care of me that's yeah. what you are thinking.
1: yeah that's what mm-hmm. I was thinking um, and so then they were like you know well we can't do that and it was like, oh, you misunderstood. I'm like, I know I didn't misunderstand mm-hmm. what was said, but I don't have anything in writing, so it's nothing I can do except what, go to court and show emails that I sent emails over to people that weren't casted, that were casted. Like, what am I going to do at this time? And so that's when I was just like, okay, well, my next show, I'm going to be EP, and nobody's going to take that away from me.
0: But the reality of it is, though, Tamara, this happens more often than not. Mm -hmm. (coughs) I was doing some research just recently in preparation for our interview today, and it says that majority of all projects in Hollywood have no more than two. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Majority of all projects in Hollywood, majority of them do not have more than two black executives on any project.
1: Mm -hmm. Some of them don't have any. Any. Like uh, even in the true crime space, I've asked – my other white counterparts like have you ever worked for a black woman or with a black woman and and then there's one friend that i have um, she's been in the industry for 20 years and she said no she's a white friend she's a white woman and she <coughs> said no i've been i worked with all white men it wasn't up until recently that i started working with white women but i've never worked for a black woman or with a wh- black woman until I'll work with you on Surviving Nar Kelly.
0: Is it because the types of projects most African-Americans are placed on are our stories? You and I both are telling a story of a white woman from Florida. And I know that most people are shocked by that because they would have expected two black females, executive producers, we should be working on just black content. Is it because... You know, because, you know, I think outside of Shonda Rhimes, before that, everybody that I saw as far as executives in the industry worked on black projects. I think Shonda Rhimes and maybe Will Smith, right? Mm -hmm. Outside of them, everybody else was just doing black work, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because I I remember I had to really wrap my head around Shonda Rhimes is the executive producer (laughs) for Grey's Anatomy, right. right? It just didn't make sense to me initially but that tells me how we are brainwashed in a sense Mm -hmm. right so this
1: industry is super small and black producers make up six percent out of 100
0: what do you think that why why do you think it's just that we don't have the content that they're looking for or we don't know how to pitch well what do you think that
1: is I think it's because we've been treated less than for so long that we have the projects it's our stories it's we're entertainers so it's our shows that are selling but it's like we're not going to give you this money this is for me and my homeboy that I grew up with and it's usually white males that are running in basically these you know in this industry
0: yeah because one of the things that I noticed you know so I'm sure you probably saw all the backlash that came from Kanye's interview on Drink Champs. Did you see the interview? Mm -hmm. And one, yeah, but it was a fantastic interview because it made you think. Whether you agree with him or not, I think critical thinking is something that we as Americans lack, Mm -hmm. especially African Americans. And I think critical thinking is important. But one of the things that he mentioned was that every major contract in the industry has names attached to it that you're not familiar as to who, who are these people, person? where yeah. do they come from, but they're getting a percentage of your work. Yep. Have you seen that to be the case?
1: Mm-hmm. That happened with me on Surviving R. Kelly. Um, it happened with me on the last project I was on, Casey Anthony. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I'm like, they're, they tell you, oh, this is Jim. This is what Jim mm-hmm. does. We hired Jim already. We're just letting you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like okay, well, this is my project. I brought it to you. Jim wouldn't have a job without me. Mm -hmm. Why am I just now meeting Jim? And why did I have a Mm -hmm. Mm say-so? But I think it's because I'm a a black woman. You know, I'm a woman at first, and then I'm a black woman. Which, you know, black women are not treated as fairly as white women Mm -hmm. or white men.
0: Is this something that you think the industry widely recognizes or not? Mm,
1: Well, it was during the Black Lives Matter and during George Floyd, they actually painted a picture that they cared about black lives mattering. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like the black dollars, your lives matter, but your money is its not your money, it's our money mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so what I wanted to do, even with my last project, is there's a white woman who came to us and said, I want to work with you all me you and chanel Mm -hmm. because you are black women and i know if i was a black woman and i quote unquote they thought i committed this crime i wouldn't be sitting here today Mm -hmm. there would have been no trial or anything it just been i've been found guilty
0: Mm -hmm. so probably put to death
1: yeah and Mm -hmm. she said you know so that made me realize that there are so many stories that we can tell but There are black, I mean, excuse me, there are white counterparts who get in the way of that because they feel like, what did you, I don't know what the feeling is. I've wanted to have honest conversations. And when I go to ask honest conversations, like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is how it looks to me. They're like, oh, no, no, Tamara, it's not that. It's not that. I
0: think a lot of times, too, when this conversation comes up, it's so uncomfortable for all parties. Most people feel like, oh my gosh, just be careful. Don't have anything on in writing. Don't have any. So you're not ever really getting to the root cause of the issue because everybody's doing a CYA. Mm -hmm. But it's the elephant that's in the room. Yeah, it's the elephant that's in the room, and so it's unfortunate because um, there's so much. I think you and I both have talked about some really great concepts, and most of our concepts are global in nature. Mm -hmm. They're not anything that are, I don't think our concepts are strictly for African-American people. Because we live in a very, you know, um, diverse world. And the
1: thing is, is like, you can't let people box you in. And I tell people all the time, like, I may come across as silent and quiet. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, I am a quiet storm. So, like, you don't want that storm to come up. Don't brood a storm. Because once it's (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. going, it's gone but it's like you can't box me in you're not going to tell me i can only do black stories on black men or on black women mm-hmm. you're not going to tell me i can just i can't do a comedy show because i've did a documentary that's as serious, mm-hmm. you can't tell me that I can't do, you know, a reality show because now I'm doing documentaries. You're not going to box me in
0: now. But is that boxing in something that happens to all people, no matter race and gender, just because okay. of how you entered the market is how you kind of go. Yeah, I think
1: like you know it's the industry. It's based right. on your last success. It's just like a record label how it's set up with an artist. Is based on your last hit. Make a hit like this again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because you want to get money. The networks want to get money. So it's like, do this again. Keep doing this. Keep do you feel the this.
0: pressure of another surviving R. Kelly?
1: Um, <clears throat> I think that <coughs> not really pressure because mm-hmm. I don't allow people to put pressure on me. But, of course, the networks want to have that same, I guess, response. So And they, they want documentaries that are going to give you that response and give them the numbers, which equals more ads and More money, more revenue.
0: The thing that was funny about the whole R. Kelly situation is that uh, there had always been accusations. Mm -hmm. And people talked about it for years. But most people just didn't have the, um, I guess, the carriage, right? Right. I had one of the victims that had approached me prior to the documentary and wanted me to take on the pro- take on not the, t- the show, but re- representing them and their story and so forth. And I was like, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole because at that time, I just didn't think it was going to go anywhere. He seemed to be Teflon Don, mm-hmm. right? Um, how did you feel though, once you you created the concept, you sold the concept? You got a lot of no's at first. Yeah, There was a lot of no's. That's the part people don't. Yeah, people, people automatically like, assume that
1: it was just easy. Yeah, they think like, <clears throat> oh, you had, you know, it was R. Kelly, you pitched it, and everybody wanted to do it. No, major networks said no, it's too risky. No, it's too whatever, salacious, and they said no. So Lifetime said yes, and so
0: They took so a big on. risk, and it paid off well for them because now – Tam, whether you realize or not, you are considered the golden girl. And and, and you have to be careful about that because mm-hmm. you don't want people mm-hmm. to just want to tag you along, to throw your name on a project because mm-hmm. you are the it girl right now in the that season, happens. right? Yeah. So how do you feel about that?
1: I mean, I don't allow it. Once I started noticing that, you know, my, what my worth is and, like, it's like, do I feel passionate about this project? And you're not just going to put my name on a project just because you can give me a check that Mm -hmm. doesn't work for Mm -hmm. me like Mm -hmm. if I don't believe in the project I'm not going to put my name on it I'm not going to do it I've lost out on a million dollar contract as of recently that I was I thought was good for me and I realized it wasn't and I went back and said hey this isn't good for me so you can have your money back and let me do what I mean hold
0: on let's back up make sure people understand you walked away from a million dollar contract (laughs) yeah it was a
1: multi-year contract which Mm -hmm. was gonna equal more than a million, over a million dollars in a short period of time. But so so when you
0: said it wasn't good for you, what was it? Was it what you know, was it holding you back? Was it making you so it was like
1: if I was passionate about something, I have been in this space to where if I'm passionate about something, I can go after whatever. I can contact a network, I can contact a production company, but with this particular deal I couldn't. If they said no, we don't see the vision they don't see the vision mm-hmm. and i have to just sit on it and wait until that contract is over I, i'm I But can't see do that that
0: goes against what you just said earlier cuz mm-hmm. earlier you said i'm a boss
1: yeah right so and i felt like i was a worker i felt mm-hmm. like i became a worker let me develop let me sell you what it is that you want like let me i'm like wait a minute wait a minute what do i want like this isn't work for me so i went back to my agents and i'm like hey this isn't working for me I want to figure out how I can get out of this contract. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And so the company, of course, was like, We want to work with you. We'll figure out something. And so that's what we're currently doing now. But they know that it's not about the money. I can make the money elsewhere mm-hmm. doing what I'm very passionate about and make more than what I would do in that contract.
0: I tell people this all the time. Don't chase the money. Right. When you lose your integrity chasing money, you're going to lose all the way around. You have to think long term.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: what you're saying now is the short term money is not worth the mm-hmm. long term. Right. Yeah,
1: and I was explaining um, to them also that it's guaranteed money every single month that you guys pay me. Mm-hmm. But I can go. I, I made more money than what you're giving me for my monthly pay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so if I'm making more money and I'm cutting I'm still cutting myself short
0: well especially creatively yeah. if you're not allowed to be as creative as you mm-hmm. want to be because it's one thing about them having stipulations internally but it's externally they still were kind of holding you back from being able to be this this brain of a sense right and I'm yeah. sure them being able to add you to their roster of talent was a big win for them yeah. Right. Because they probably allowed for a lot of meetings that they probably couldn't get on their own to happen because you were going to be on the call. hmm
1: That and then just actually being in the documentary space, they were kind of new to it, so it was one of those things where, you know, they had to have somebody who had experience to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, they had the relationships with so people, I guess, you know, take you serious or whatever the case is.
0: But how do you get out of a? So you signed a multi-million dollar <clears throat> contract. How can you just walk out of it?
1: Well, let me just tell you, I guess, you know, how it works. So I'm such a eager person to just, I have so many things lined up. I'm like, okay, now I have a team in place. I could just go, mm-hmm. you know, because usually it's just me developing. It's me pitching. It's you know unless I partner with someone like you Mm -hmm. and so I'm like okay I have a team now I have all these concepts I've always wanted to do Mm -hmm. now I have the backing you know what people say that they want in this industry and I was and so I'm presenting projects and as they're saying yes 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 you know yes to this no to that I'm like okay cool but we're still negotiating the agreement so we're still negotiating the agreement i'm still working off the fact that we're going to come to an agreement my agents told me my attorneys told me their attorneys said we're we're definitely coming to an agreement but it was like six months and i'm still working they're still paying me but no agreement no agreement yeah so it was kind of one of those things where they said well effective immediately we don't have an agreement if you know we know that you're frustrated we know that you're Wanting to, you know, kind of do more on your own. And you don't want to be held to just doing this one particular thing. So we're going to go ahead and just, you know, let you out of your agreement. But I'm like, I don't have an agreement. Mm -hmm. Like, everything Mm -hmm. was off of, like, good faith.
0: So do you feel as if from that perspective they got what they wanted? And then how do you Mm -hmm. feel about that?
1: I feel like God knew. Sometimes God protects you before you can even protect yourself. Not
0: sometimes. All the time. Right?
1: Yeah. And so it's like. God, I just felt that God literally was in the midst of it and was just like, allow me to be patient because I'm not a patient person. Allow me to be patient with them not signing an agreement, me not signing an agreement, you know, and thinking and knowing that it's going to work out. I just feel like God was just like, you know, don't do it. It wasn't, it didn't happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think if it did happen, I feel like they still would have because at the time when I'm talking to one of the execs, she didn't know that I hadn't signed. So she's like, Tamara, we want to do whatever makes you happy. Like, mm-hmm. we want to work with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I said, well, you know, I haven't signed my agreement. She's like, I don't know anything about your deal. And so I said, well, I haven't signed an agreement. So I could walk away. Y'all could walk away.
0: One thing I know for sure in this game is mm-hmm. that you can't trust anybody in this industry. Yeah. And when she said, I don't know anything about your agreement, I would probably bet 99.9% that that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, To see the games and the antics and the shenanigans that go on to try to keep everybody snowed is amazing, right? So I believe everybody, you know, I always feel like I'm the last in the room to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's a bad feeling. To feel mm-hmm. like everybody around you. And so that's why when I go in now, I'm always researching the hell out of every single person that's supposed to be in there. Who am I talking to? What have they done? What types of um, situations have they come up against before? Who have they worked with before? Mm-hmm. And all that. Because the reality of it is, Tam, it's a very lonely space out here.
1: Yeah. But let me tell you, like even if you research the person, they have a ex- spectacular background. You're not going to find out some things about people
0: the character
1: until you work with them
0: mm-hmm. <coughs> or how they work with you yeah because how they may work with nick or fines may be different with how they deal with you mm-hmm.
1: yeah and so i take notes on a lot of things and i just realize like okay i just move a little slower because now i know like i know that when i walk in a room i can sell a show mm-hmm. i know i can sell a show on the phone i can sell a show on zoom I know how to pitch i'm not afraid of no i already came up with the answers if you do say no i already know how to bounce back from that like Mm -hmm. I i figured it out and so if i i'm not scared to go in rooms but i work with people who are unless they absolutely know this is going to sell but i'm like why would you not go into a room and meet with someone and it may not be the right show for them but they tell you like hey I think that you could do this, and this is what we've been looking for. If it wasn't for E1 saying that to me, then growing up hip-hop, Atlanta wouldn't have birthed. Mm-hmm. And so I went in there with a totally different concept and different show, but because I still went in there not afraid of the no that they may possibly say, I was able to start in television and help franchise the show and mm-hmm. build my career in television.
0: Risk-taker. You have to be a risk-taker, right? I- I- I've noticed that, too. There are a lot of people who are scared to go in the room. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, get in the room. Like, these are people that are going to tell. That's how you build your relationships, too. It's a form Mm -hmm. of networking. Mm -hmm. You know, you get in the room and you're like, hey, I pitched you three things. You said no to them. What do you want? And then you go find whatever it is. That they want and come back, right? I'm like, that's what you do. That's how you keep winning.
0: Do you think it's just a fear of people thinking that they failed?
1: I just think people are scared of the word no and people are scared of the unknown. I'm like, how can you work in this industry and have fear? Yeah. Especially if you're not a black woman or a black man in this industry, you should just. Have I, no I just fear feel like for me, her.
0: that's why I think it is for us. I think we're just used to the no's and I'm trying like, to figure I'm it not out.
1: Used to know. I don't even take no in my personal relationships, which is kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, if I ask for something, it's because. <laughs> I don't ask for much. Mm-hmm. So it, I have the same concept in business. It's like, okay, this is what I wanna do. This is why I think this is great, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. then you also have to teach, like we're teaching our counter white counterparts mm-hmm. about our, our culture. How are you gonna do a movie or a show on Rosa Parks? And you're not me, you're not black, you're not a woman, you're not a black man. How can you really tell my story, or how do you understand well, how they have been? They've feel? been telling. I think didn't James go? Wasn't that by mm-hmm. a white man? Too? Well, they added what's his name on there, um, Tarantino. Yeah, to, to flavor it flavor up. Flavor it that up. I mean, yeah. of course, in f- is his track record is great, um, but I feel like yeah, like how can you tell that story? Like I don't know. Like Will Smith is coming out with Emancipation. You know, I don't know if Will did everything or if, I don't know who did it, Mm -hmm. but normally it's a white man that's telling black stories. And even like now I work with Mr. Knowles and he wants to tell the story of the history of like music through slavery, how it, how music came about through slavery and how white counterparts stole our music. No, you, you mentioned that. But he's a black man. He's a
0: black man. And
1: I'm pitching the But is that considered hate speech?
0: Because I'm getting nervous now. Well, I'm getting nervous now with this whole freedom of speech situation with Kyrie, right? The documentary in question... I did not see where there was anything negatively said about any particular race of people. Mm -hmm. What he did was to show the origin of African, of black people across the world and who we really are. And because he said that, it was considered hate speech. Well, all he did was text the tweet of the link to where you can go and watch it. So would that be considered hate speech if you're saying someone stole our music, even though it's the truth? It's our freedom of speech is under attack, Tamara. Mm-hmm. It's under attack.
1: Yeah, so I think when it it becomes under attack when it's not when it's not us when it's us saying definitely. When it's, when it's, we're putting out, oh, this is our actual culture. This mm-hmm. is actually what happened. This is how it's like, and be out. proud
0: and be proud. The yeah. proud and the yeah. uplifting of your head is hate.
1: Yeah. So it's like, it's not hate though. It's the truth. Right.
0: It is. But that is how it's being.
1: Because everybody, we live in a cancel culture. Or cancel. Right. But we've allowed that culture to cultivate because of social media. Mm-hmm. So now you can, Say something wrong on social media, you're banned from it. Instagram takes your account, Facebook, whatever. Twitter, you say something. But now, you know, you have Elon Musk who is like, hey, you can say the N-word on Twitter. You can say whatever. But if you say
0: something negative about Elon Musk, he's now revoking your account.
1: Suspended forever. Forever.
0: (laughs) But you can say the N-word. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Or
1: or if you do a parody about him. Right, right. Yeah, he'll suspend your account. Well,
0: you know, the other thing that I think is, you know, Kanye, you don't have to agree with everything the man says, but it doesn't mean that you have to cancel mm-hmm. him. You just don't have how to listen. How does
1: Adidas cancel him and then still sell his product? How's, well,
0: aren't they supposed to be suspending the the the, the manufacturing Yeezys? of the Yeezys? No,
1: they're still selling Yeezys. Hmm. So how how do you cancel someone that created something that you're saying? But they own it, right? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's it's in these agreements. Right. So it's all about what's in his agreement. But apparently there's some type of clause that probably allows them to still be able to sell his product
0: and because he questioned that clause it was he was considered crazy
1: Mm -hmm. he was and difficult yeah and in the industry that's when you become you're like oh she's difficult to work with Mm -hmm. um she speaks up for herself Mm -hmm. Um, she's gonna hold me accountable for my actions and I want to be that person that like you you need to fear that I'm gonna do that, so mm-hmm. you don't do anything crazy to me.
0: I, I noticed the director we're working with on this particular project. She has no problem with stepping up and saying uh-huh. no, correct this, add this, do it this way, blah blah blah.
1: These are my titles. <laughs> she
0: has no problem with that, but I feel a little reservation
1: speaking yeah. up well, on those things. I mean, I think that if you don't speak up you know, like it's just what they say mm-hmm. closed mouth doesn't get fed yeah,
0: closed mouth doesn't
1: get fed so you know even i had to you know pull some execs aside and say hey we're black women we're not receiving the same experience as some of the white women or directors on this project and even people that i hired mm-hmm. for this project knew more about this project than i did than you knew until I, th- I stepped in and said hey how does this person tell me that there's a call every Monday that I never knew about? Mm-hmm. And it's Slap like and, in the and, face. and I explained, I, I this is my project. Nobody would be doing this if it wasn't for us. Mm-hmm. Like nobody mm-hmm. would have these jobs, mm-hmm. like the network wouldn't have the documentary, it wouldn't be airing in a few weeks, like none of it would happen without us. So how can you exclude the people that brought it together? And to me, excluding is the same as like All I realize is that we're three black women. We have something in common. We're all women, and we're black. The rest of everybody on this project is white. Disregard. So of course I'm gonna feel like it's because of my race. Like
0: I I tell you this, and then like like we saw in the credits with some names on there, that I was like, well, where did this person come from?
1: Yeah, and I asked like, who is this? Oh, she did X, Y, and Z on this project. I'm like, oh, okay. Well it would be nice to have known the person, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know some projects you can't know everybody, especially movies, you can't know everyone that's like a thousand people working. Mm-hmm. But if it's a small setting and you have 10 people in post and six people, you know, in production, like how do you not know?
0: You know, but I think, Tam, the question is, what do we do about it now? And I think the only thing we can do to change the narrative is not to back away to stay fight and continue to bring more because if we're expecting another group of people to care enough to mentor groom and bring along that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not.
1: I mean, I feel like the platform that I've been given, that is what I'm to do is mm-hmm. to speak up for those who can, who don't have who can't even get in the room yet. Mhm. You know that look like you and I do. Mhm. And I feel like, you know, and sometimes people are like, just just Tamara, you're doing good for yourself. Like, it's not, but it's it's never been about me. Mm -hmm. So how can it be about me now? I won 26 awards and can probably only tell you four of them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what does this mean? Documentary of the year, what does this mean? I don't know, what does Mm -hmm. that mean? Like, Mm -hmm. So none of that matters to me if I look back and I look beside me and my black sister or brother can't work with me because they're of their race or their sex. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, none of that matters to me.
0: Doesn't. What do you think about this whole Me Too thing? I think now we're coming down towards, it's not as, as hot and heavy as it was. So my question to you is, do you think it's, have you experienced Me Too?
1: No, I've never experienced it. Wow. mm
0: That's shocking. mm hmm as beautiful as you are, you're young black woman. And, and But you know what, though? I think that's what happens a lot. Um, we tend to assume that that's just the norm because yeah. we hear...
1: People thought that I had, like, oh, you've been sexually abused before. What's your story? That's not my story mm-hmm. at all. So I just have a passion for... Especially I saw black women weren't able to speak up like white counterparts. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know... It, R. Kelly is the subject matter, but at the end of the day, it's about these women that didn't have a voice, and now they have a voice.
0: Did you? Were you scared to, to tell people at first that you were on that project? Because uh, I mean, R. Kelly was uh, a king I didn't, in I didn't know black was gonna music.
1: Because it was so much that went on, <laughs> that I was like, I don't know if we're gonna even if this is even gonna air. Down to like you know the having the bomb threat at the screening in New York. And so I'm like, are we going to air this? Is the network going to air this? Like, this is probably those networks that said no. The risk, I saw the risk that they probably foresaw.
0: Bomb threat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, we were, like, maybe, maybe like, seven minutes in to the first episode of Surviving R. Kelly. We had the survivors that came, their families. We had Angela Yee, a lot of New York, you know, um, journalists. Um, and then there's the bomb threat. So. And
0: the bomb threat primarily was coming from the opposing camp? wanting Yeah, you guys it came to from
1: sh- someone that um, he, I think he managed R. Kelly at the time or at one particular time.
0: Mm-hmm. Was he ever charged to that? hmm Convicted? Yep. Okay. And so and then you actually faced being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. In New York, right?
1: Yeah, me thinking that people don't know who I am still.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's dangerous. A lot of times people think that being a producer is just, oh, it's a walk in a park, I'm signing some documents and drinking some coffee. But (laughs) you really, you put your life at risk. You were actually about to be kidnapped in New York by R. Kelly's camp.
1: Well, I can't say if it's R. Kelly's camp or not, but Mm -hmm. it, it was people that I were with that knew that they worked with R. Kelly at one particular time, and mm-hmm. it was during the trial that was going on in New York. So, yeah.
0: And you kept going like it was
1: nothing. No, I didn't keep going. You didn't? No. I, I, that was during that time, I was like, get me home. And um, I worked with, like, Homeland Security to make sure that I was safe and that my children were safe.
0: So people don't know the risk that we take by telling these stories that are not –
1: popular because when the first people people will say that you did it to yourself that's what you chose to do i I didn't sign up to be like dogged out but how do you sign up to be threatened right i didn't sign up for any of that because you're
0: allowing someone to tell their story
1: mm -hmm.
0: well you know we got all type of mess yeah when the press release first announced about us working with Casey and Anthony and our whole situation was we wanted to allow her to speak. She has never spoken before. Mm-hmm. Um, and people automatically wanted to assume that we were bad people. Mm-hmm. I believe that everybody should have a day to speak. Jeffrey Dahmer even had a chance to speak.
1: Yeah. So, so people say like, Oh, you're giving up a, a killer a platform to speak. You know, if that's what they they find that person guilty or the person is found guilty they say why would you give but them? she was
0: found not guilty
1: mhm she was acquitted she
0: was acquitted yeah so so she was found not guilty she was acquitted and people still did not want her to tell why she was acquitted mhm yeah. and so and and what i noticed i noticed that it was more people attacking me and your character mm-hmm. than they were oh
1: yeah people are saying like oh you're ruining really your career now tamara like why would you go do something like that I'm like, but you're okay with me talking about R. Kelly, but... A black man. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. not a white woman who you say or they say did this and did that. You don't want to hear why she got off, or you don't want to hear what really happened. You don't want to understand the new evidence that's going to be presented like, but,
0: you know, I often wonder, too, Tam, did we get that type of backlash because of who we are? I wonder if other stories, documentaries that have been shared and the producers don't look like us, do they get the same questioning that we got as to well, why we were working on this project? I don't
1: know. I mean, we'll see when the, if the director. <laughs> <laughs> if the director gets the same thing as us to we're like, okay, it's not because we're black. Right,
0: right. We'll have
1: to, you know, when it comes out. Yeah,
0: we'll see. I will see. Yeah. Yeah, so what's next for you, Tam? What's next?
1: Um, well, um there's part three, sorry. Uh-huh. There's part three of Survivor and R. Kelly that'll come out at the top of Another the Another R. Kelly yeah, this is it.
0: What are we this talking about now? The man is gone forever and well, ever and ever. He's and about ever. to
1: be sentenced, um, in February. Um, and so this is really talking about like the survivors, the victims who um, participated in trial, kind of like how they felt and how they went to trial and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's closed in the chapter.
0: Wow. Yeah. And and to think, this is one thing, you'll, you'll go down to history because I do not believe that R. Kelly would be in prison right now had it not been for that documentary. Mm-hmm. It was blaring... It was in the faces of America, and they had to do something.
1: Yeah.
0: I think um, everyone knew before, but everyone made excuses.
1: Well, yeah, even R. Kelly said, they should have done this to me a long time ago. Oh,
0: he said that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. In 2018, before, it aired in 2019, but in 2018, he's on Facebook Live. He was like, they should have done this to me a long time ago. Like, wow. mm Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, he's got some nerve. I didn't need to have that kind of nerve, but I'm
0: surprised to be honest with you, I'm actually surprised that he's still
1: I'm sure he was still shocked that, you know, the sentencing that he received and thinking that in two thousand eight, you know, he got acquitted as well. So
0: A lot of people though went down behind that. I mean, I even know one of the attorneys that was working with one of the victims. They brought stuff out on her, and okay. she lost her license, and lost her license. Two thousand eight, or no, it? just recent two thousand eighteen. Oh. I mean, it's I've seen a lot. They went through all types of affairs to make sure that people stopped talking, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. But they really worked hard to stop people from talking.
1: Mm. Well, the feds subpoenaed everybody this go around. Well, isn't somebody pregnant by him now? One of the girls. I don't know, I she came out with the book but I didn't read it. Yeah, I'm like, like some of the stuff I just can't digest anymore. I'm like, this was my focus. Right. And I keep it moving. I don't really keep up with who is with R. Kelly now, what's going on with he's, You can't be he's in... where he's at. Yeah. And that's
0: all that the that's toxicity of it all yeah. you have and that's the part that people have to realize when you do work in true crime space mm-hmm. it can really mess with your psyche you have mm-hmm. to find a way to be able to remove yourself from yeah. all of that
1: and when i go, when i have like network meetings they're like how do you work in such a dark place but you have like a light and i say, well there's a, has to be light and darkness
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know you can't just but i'm
0: sure office. you have some type of method you vacation often meditate um, what do you I need do to figure
1: out what i'm gonna do as i keep getting into true crime mm-hmm. i'm gonna figure out something i right now i do zooms every other week so the week that i don't do zooms i take time like this morning i went to pilates like i'll go to pilates okay, so you
0: work every other week so one week you don't work
1: i work every week okay. but i don't interact with people I stopped interacting with people on Zooms. I was doing back to back to back, and I wasn't allowing myself time to even like decompress from what we talked about on this Zoom. I might have five zooms in a day, then the next day I have four, the next day I have three. and I'm talking about like five, six different projects mm-hmm. in different. And so I try to schedule as much as possible the week that like the networks aren't requesting um, zooms and things like that. I try to leave it to where i can do research because i have to do a lot of research Mm -hmm. a lot of developing stories um and that's when i do my reach outs to like some attorneys some prosecutors on cases reach out to some killers Mm -hmm. (laughs) on those weeks but uh, that allows me to be able to get the discovery Mm -hmm. part of what i do for television
0: again you have to be passionate about what you do you have to be
1: yeah and so i and i will I often said like there hasn't or I've been researching and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong because I've even asked other people that have worked in true crime for longer than me but like I was like has there been a black woman in this space ever in television and what I'm finding is that there hasn't been mm-hmm. and even when I met with the network they said Tamara we have been looking for someone in this space because there's production companies that come to them and say, hey, do you have, like, a black woman, you know? So sometimes you can get hired for just being black. Wow. You know, but they haven't had anybody, so sometimes they'll pull somebody that has maybe an investigative background, but they're not really an EP, and well, they run a But how do you feel show. about
0: that, though? If, if you're hiring me just because I'm black to add me to the roster of other people? Well, I
1: feel like they're adding—they want to have them because there's certain stories that only— it's like cultural based, and I feel like they would want a black woman. to Okay, be able to so tell they
0: that need us from the star. diversity of research, us to be yeah. able to add our components to this, not or, just to add our name.
1: Yeah, and just like how the show should be ran, because it's certain stories that are maybe sensitive to tell, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and of course they're saying we want to diversify. Mm-hmm. So if if they can't hire black women or men that are producers in true crime, then they have to go with the white. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of it is them wanting to be diverse, and they may hire you just because you are a black woman. But then they realize, like, wow, you're great. I want you to work more on on more projects. Mm-hmm. And cool.
0: that's the goal is for them to forget about
1: mm-hmm.
0: the yeah. race and the and and the the gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think this is the thing, your legacy, Tamra, is going to go down um, in history of being one of the executive producers, creators, and founders of one of the most impactful documentaries of our lifetime. I can't think of another documentary that has probably been as impactful mm-hmm. as The Survivor R. Kelly. It brought up so many different things in our community, our um, at for um, black male Performers, our lack of respect for African American women and their voices, um, mm-hmm. how people will turn the 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 blind eye period to predator behavior in the entertainment industry, and that's just not a black thing. That's you know, across that's the board. Like, yeah, it, it it really opened up real tough discussions, and and I, and, and whether you realize it, and I'm sure you do, but. I think 20 years down the line, you're going to look back and see how you positioned this space for other black women that just did not exist, did not exist. And so um, I'm excited to see what's next for you. I know it's going to be huge. I know it's going to be big. I can even see it being international in nature. Well,
1: thank you. Yeah. I receive that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see it because you're not you're you've never been a in the box type of thinker mm-hmm. and you're um relentless. Mm-hmm. You won't stop. You keep going and most people stop. Yes. Because let's talk about this too before we close out. How many no's do you normally get for a project before you get a yes? <laughs> I know one time you told me about some show you had pitched for 5
1: years. Yeah. Some shows I've pitched for, uh maybe, yeah, like five. Um, but the thing is, is, like, I just, as of recent, before Surviving R. Kelly, I was pitching like crazy. got no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. But as of recent, I pitch now with, like, intention. Everything I do is intentional. So I know I don't go into a room unless I know for sure you're going to want this. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want it, I'm going to make sure that you know your other Competitors want it hmm and so just having that ability to understand and understand the game of selling also you have to have you have to know what you're selling mm-hmm. and you have to be passionate about it and you have to tell them without telling them this is how you're gonna make money even though it's an important matter at the end of the day they're looking at dollars mm-hmm. and cents
0: I'm taking from you confidence and whatever it is that you do but the other part is that we talked about earlier making sure you dot your I's and cross your T's in these contracts. Oh, yeah. Because there's so many. You would
1: think that I would know that by now. Well, but
0: you, I would even think <laughs> about the fact of how we even had to go back and remind about clauses in the contract. Yeah, you about credits. Yeah, like, wait a minute.
1: Yeah, and, it, and the thing is, is, like, we, we sign our deals and then we read them. Of course, we have an attorney advise us. But then, like you were saying, you go back. I'm like, wait a minute aren't you guys supposed to give us, like, a certain type of credit mm-hmm. at the end? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to screenshot, circle, here it is right here, in mm-hmm. black and white. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, if I don't do that, or if we don't do that, then it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, how many people has that happened to? I know? bet a lot. And but I've sat on panels where I just, like, I've heard stories of, like, what I'm sharing with you, mm-hmm. but it's never been me. I've always known of somebody else that this happened to. Mm-hmm. But then when it started happening to me, I was like, oh, no. Like, mm-hmm. y'all mm-hmm. really want me on these panels? Mm-hmm. Okay. We got it. Like, let's go. Yeah, we're really <laughs> going
0: to talk about it now. Yeah. Right, right. And, it's,
1: and I know that, you know, there's there's certain companies that I know that follow me that only follow maybe 100 people. And I'm one of the 100. Mm-hmm. And they they follow me because I reach out to them and I say, hey, you don't have enough of diversity in your company in this entertainment industry like let me be the person that steps up and tells you how you need to diversify what it is that you're doing
0: you kind of did a karen civil on them mm. <laughs> I know it's probably, like, not Karen a popular like name. Like well, Karen, no, Karen Civil did that. She would call oh, yeah. different oh, like, major brands, like names. and Louis yeah, Vuitton. Or, yeah, them. Christian Dior, any. Yeah. that like, you need me. You need me because yeah. I have the, the my ear to the streets. I know how to speak the lingo. And she sold herself. And mm. good, bad, and different, how you feel about Karen. She went to them and said. I think
1: Karen is great. Yeah, her, like her I mean, I do, is, too. I don't know her personally, but I know her work ethic is Amazing. Yeah,
0: I'm just oh, saying she, you take you, you. You have to know mm-hmm. how to eat the meat and spit out the bones, mm-hmm. and that's what people lack in doing. And if you learn that technique in business, you will excel. Don't yeah. throw away the whole shebang, yeah. the whole baby. One of the things I learned from her is you got to be able to sell yourself and don't mm-hmm. be afraid to go to these untouchable brands
1: and yeah. say, you need I, me. Listen, I went to a magazine, found the editor-in-chief, emailed the editor-in-chief and said, hey, who do y'all have that represents black women on your, on your panel when you're talking about diversifying? Oh, we don't have anybody. Okay, well, now you have me, so when do I get started? Like, I don't, I don't say, like, oh, if you need me, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, well, when are we going to get started? Mm-hmm. And then, let me loop you in. Next thing you know, I'm looped in with the next person. <laughs>
0: Confidence.
1: Yeah. Confidence. So, and I didn't realize you have to do that. Even when you win awards, mm-hmm. you still have to do it. Even Viola Davis was saying, like, her winning awards, being nominated for Oscars, Academy Awards, she still had to fight for, like, equal pay and rights, mm-hmm. you know, even as a black actress.
0: Yeah, Viola Davis.
1: Yeah. Damn. Like, her. Yeah. So that let me know, like, it's not a Tamra thing. They're not doing this because it's Tamra. i are doing even, this because this is what, this is the norm. It's the
0: norm. But I don't even think it's a black woman only thing I think it's in business it's I mean, if you women, don't speak yeah. up for oh. yourself period they're going to take yeah what they take yeah you have to I heard someone say the other day contracts really don't matter and I said are you
1: crazy Who said that? Some, that's somebody that's never been sued or sued yeah either. I'm like <laughs>
0: contracts really matter right yeah like like your girl Carisha says real bad <laughs> Real bad. But um, I know that you have some things you have to get to. I really appreciate you coming down, sitting down with me, and shooting the gist. We needed to talk. Are you ready for tonight? So for you guys who don't know, (laughs) tonight,
1: um, by the time time this launches, we can
0: talk. Right now, we're on an embargo. We're not able to talk about... Our project, uh, the Casey Anthony project, but tonight at seven p.m. right, they start to drop the press to all of the
1: the New York Times,
0: Cosmopolitan, Vanity Fair, Fair, so forth. And so by tomorrow when we wake up,
1: (laughs) your name is gonna be everywhere. Are you ready for that? Yeah, I just duck and hide. On social media, I don't have to see nobody. I don't talk to nobody.
0: <laughs> I don't know, right? You don't know what to expect because you just know. don't know how people are, what they think. I hope people
1: um uh, just open and receptive. to I, I
0: hope people respect the creativeness yeah. and the creative ability of us allowing and respect that it was two, it was three black, black women.
1: Yeah. One tra- one trans One
0: transgender woman.
1: Who's na- that's never been done before
0: never done before. And then you and I.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I hopefully people respect that and allow for the artwork to speak for itself. But tomorrow I think I when you ask me was I ready for it, the answer is I haven't been really thinking about it. I've tried to not absorb it, kinda mention it. And it's look-
1: also election day. It is. So it's like, it's just a big day. It's it, Tomorrow is a big
0: day, and it's been a lot of emotional things. I think you just, it, it's the time where I think you got to make sure that you are grounded, you mm-hmm. know who you are, and you are really particular about your circle. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you listen to the noise.
1: Yeah, you'll drown.
0: You'll <laughs> drown. Are you ready, but for tomorrow? Oh,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm, I think it, Surviving R. Kelly allowed me to survive, period, anything. The
0: (laughs) difference, though, with this project and the Surviving R. Kelly project is that this was an international phenomenon from people who don't look like us, and many of them are fanatic in their viewpoints. Um, And so we have to be ready for some of the most ugliest words
1: mm-hmm.
0: so wow.
1: yeah so let's just do part two after it airs we come back and we talk about
0: life after right mm-hmm. yeah we can <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's gonna be more to tell yeah it's gonna be a lot more to tell
1: yeah
0: well i thank you for taking thank this you. ride with me i'm excited about tomorrow i'm excited about what's to come we're going to always think positive yes and lots, lots, lots of more to come between you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'll be talking to you guys next time on Chronology. See you later. You
1: ain't getting no money if you constantly
0: worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing a deal, I get you done. Every single one.